This is day 41 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Joshua chapters 14 through 18. Bear with me once again. I am traveling, so if there's any background noise, please bear with me, as well as, just like last time, bear with me on the pronunciation of things, and please pray that I don't butcher it, but I am doing my absolute best. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to study your word. We just thank you for bringing us here today. Please allow the things of this world to be silenced for a moment so that we can consider your greatness, consider your love for us, and Lord, that this nation, this world that's so full of evil right now, Lord, that oppresses us, Lord, that you may remind us that you are light and you are above these things and that you will deliver us if we trust in you. Please increase our faith and help our unbelief. Please allow the Holy Spirit to enlighten us today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now these are the territories which the sons of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the households of the tribes of the sons of Israel apportioned to them for an inheritance. By the lot of their inheritance, as the Lord commanded through Moses, for the nine tribes and the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe beyond the Jordan, but he did not give an inheritance to the Levites among them. For the sons of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they did not give a portion to the Levites in the land, except cities to live in with their pasture lands for their livestock and for their property. Thus the sons of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they divided the land. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke, these forty-five years, from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am eighty-five years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now, for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there, with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. 
Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Now the lot for the tribe of the sons of Judah, according to their families, reached the border of Edom, southward to the wilderness of Zin at the extreme south. Their south border was from the lower end of the Salt Sea, from the bay that turns to the south. Then it proceeded southward to the ascent of Akrabim, and continued to Zin, then went up by the south of Kardesh Barnea, and continued to Hezron, and went up to Adar, and turned about to Karka. It continued to Asmon, and proceeded to the brook of Egypt, and the border ended at the sea. This shall be your south border. The east border was the Salt Sea, as far as the mouth of the Jordan. And the border of the north side was from the bay of the sea at the mouth of the Jordan. Then the border went up to Beth Hogla and continued on the north of Beth Araba. And the border went up to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. The border went up to Debir from the valley of Achor and turned northward toward Gilgal, which is opposite the ascent of Adamim which is on the south of the valley. And the border continued to the waters of En-Shemesh, and it ended at En-Rogel. Then the border went up the valley on Ben-Hinnom to the slope of the Jebusite on the south, that is, Jerusalem. And the border went up to the top of the mountain, which is before the valley of Hinnom, to the west which is at the end of the valley of Rephaim toward the north. From the top of the mountain, the border curved to the spring of the waters of Reftoah and proceeded to the cities of Mount Ephron. Then the border curved to Beala, that is, Kiriath-Jerim. The border turned about from Beala westward to Mount Seir and continued to the slope of Mount Jerim on the north that is, Chesalon, and went down to Beth Shemesh and continued through Timnah. The border proceeded to the side of Ekron northward. Then the border curved to Shekeron and continued to Mount Beala and proceeded to Jabneel, and the border ended at the sea. The west border was at the Great Sea, even its coastline. This is the border around the sons of Judah, according to their families. Now he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the sons of Judah, according to the command of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is, Hebron. Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. Then he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name Debir, formerly, was kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, The one who attacks kiriath Sefer and captures it, 
I will give him Aksa, my daughter, as a wife. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. So he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as a wife. It came about that when she came to him, she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she alighted from the donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? Then she said, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the sons of Judah, according to their families. Now the cities at the extremity of the tribe of the sons of Judah, toward the border of Edom in the south, were Kabzeel and Edur and Jagur, and Kenah and Demona and Adada, and Kadesh and Hazor and Ithnan, Ziph and Telem and Bieloth, and Hazor Hadata and Kiriath Hezron, that is Hazor, Amam and Shema and Moladah, and Hazar Gada and Heshmon and Beth Pelet and Hazar Shual and Beersheba and Bizyothia, Beala and Eim and Izem and Iltalad and Shezil and Horma and Ziklag and Madmana and Sansana and Labeath and Shilhim and Ain and Ramon. In all, twenty-nine cities with their villages. In the lowland, Eshtael and Zora and Ashna and Zanoa and Enganim, Tapua and Enam, Jarmuth and Adulam, Soko and Azika, and Sha'ariam and Adathiam and Gadera and Gaderathiam, fourteen cities with their villages. Zanan and Hadasha and Migdagad and Dilian and Mizpeh and Jokthil, Lakish and Boskath and Eglon and Kaban and Lamas and Chitlish and Gedroth, Beth Dagon and Neama and Makeda, sixteen cities with their villages. Libna and Ether and Ashan and Ifta and Ashna, and Nezib, and Kela, and Akzib, and Marsha, nine cities with their villages. Ekron, with its towns and its villages, from Ekron even to the sea, all that were by the side of Ashdod, with their villages. Ashdod, its towns and its villages, Gaza, its towns and its villages, as far as the brook of Egypt and the great sea, even its coastline. In the hill country, Shamir and Jatir and Soko and Dana and Kiriath Sana, that is, Debir, and Anab and Eshtemoth and Anim and Goshen and Holon and Gilo, eleven cities with their villages. Arab and Duma and Eshan and Janum and Beth Tapua and Afika, and Humta, and Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, and Zior, 
nine cities with their villages. Maon, Carmel, and Ziph, and Jutah, and Jezreel, and Joptium, and Zenoa, Cain, Gibeah, and Timnah, ten cities with their villages. Halhul, Bethzur, and Gedor, and Maarath, and Bethanoth, and Eltikon, six cities with their villages. Kiriath Baal, that is, Kiriath Jearim, and Rabbah, two cities with their villages. In the wilderness, Beth Araba, Medin, and Sekakah, and Nibshan, and the city of Salt, and En Gedi, six cities with their villages. Now, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the sons of Judah could not drive them out. So the Jebusites live with the sons of Judah at Jerusalem until this day. Then the lot for the sons of Joseph went from the Jordan at Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east into the wilderness, going up from Jericho through the hill country to Bethel. It went from Bethel to Luz and continued to the border of the Archites at Ataroth. It went down westward to the territory of the Jophletites, as far as the territory of lower Beth-Horon, even to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. The sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. Now this was the territory of the sons of Ephraim, according to their families. The border of their inheritance eastward was Ataroth-Adar, as far as upper Beth-Horon. Then the border went westward at Michmethah on the north, and the border turned about eastward to Teanath Shiloh, and continued beyond it to the east of Genoa. It went down from Genoa to Ataroth to Neara, then reached Jericho and came out at the Jordan. From Tapua, the border continued westward to the brook of Cana and it ended at the sea. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the sons of Ephraim, according to their families, together with the cities which were set apart for the sons of Ephraim in the midst of the inheritance of the sons of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. But they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived at Gezer. So the Canaanites live in the midst of Ephraim to this day, and they became forced laborers. Now this was the lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph. To Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, were allotted Gilead and Bashan, because he was a man of war. So the lot was made for the rest of the sons of Manasseh, according to their families, for the sons of Abiezer, and for the sons of Helek, and for the sons of Asriel, and for the sons of Shechem, and for the sons of Hefer, and for the sons of Shemida. These were the male descendants of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. However, Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, had no sons, only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters, Mala and Noah, Hogla, Milka and Tirzah. 
They came near before Eleazar the priest, and before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the leaders, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. So according to the command of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. Thus there fell ten portions to Manasseh, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which is beyond the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance among his sons. And the land of Gilead belonged to the rest of the sons of Manasseh. The border of Manasseh ran from Asher to Michmathah, which is east of Shechem. Then the border went southward to the inhabitants of En Tapua. The land of Tapua belonged to Manasseh, but Tapua on the border of Manasseh belonged to the sons of Ephraim. The border went down to the brook of Cana, southward of the brook. These cities belonged to Ephraim among the cities of Manasseh. And the border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook, and it ended at the sea. The south side belonged to Ephraim, and the north side to Manasseh, and the sea was their border. And they reached to Asher on the north, and to Issachar on the east. In Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had Bethshean and its towns, and Iblium and its towns, and the inhabitants of Dor and its towns, and the inhabitants of Endor and its towns, and the inhabitants of Teanach and its towns, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its towns. The third is Naphtheth. But the sons of Manasseh could not take possession of these cities, because the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. It came about when the sons of Israel became strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Then the sons of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me only one lot and one portion for an inheritance, since I am a numerous people whom the Lord has thus far blessed? Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up to the forest and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The sons of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the valley land have chariots of iron. Both those who are in Bethshean and its towns, and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a numerous people, and have great power. You shall not have one lot only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it, and to its farthest borders it shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites even though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh, and set up the tent of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. There remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, 
How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Provide for yourselves three men from each tribe that I may send them, and that they may arise and walk through the land and write a description of it according to their inheritance. Then they shall return to me. They shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall stay in its territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall stay in their territory on the north. You shall describe the land in seven divisions, and bring the description here to me. I will cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. For the Levites have no portion among you, because the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh also have received their inheritance eastward beyond the Jordan, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose and went, and Joshua commanded those who went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land and describe it, and return to me. Then I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed through the land, and described it by cities in seven divisions in a book. And they came to Joshua to the camp at Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land to the sons of Israel according to their divisions. Now the lot of the tribe of the sons of Benjamin came up according to their families. And the territory of their lot lay between the sons of Judah and the sons of Joseph. Their border on the north side was from the Jordan. Then the border went up to the side of Jericho on the north, and went up through the hill country westward, and it ended at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. From there the border continued to Luz, to the side of Luz, that is, Bethel, southward and the border went down to Ataroth-Adar, near the hill which lies on the south of lower Beth-Horon. The border extended from there and turned round on the west side southward, from the hill which lies before Beth-Horon southward, and it ended at Kiriath-Baal, that is, Kiriath-Jerim, a city of the sons of Judah. This was the west side. Then the south side was from the edge of Kiriath-Jerim, and the border went westward, and went to the fountains of the water of Nephtoah. The border went down to the edge of the hill, which is in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is in the valley of Rephaim, northward. And it went down to the valley of Hinnom, to the slope of the Jebusite southward, and went down to En-Rogel. It extended northward, and went to En Shemesh, and went to Geliloth, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim. And it went down to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. It continued to the side, in front of the Arabah, northward, and went down to the Arabah. The border continued to the side of Beth Hogla, northward, and the border ended at the north bay of the Salt Sea at the south end of the Jordan. This was the south border. 
Moreover, the Jordan was its border on the east side. This was the inheritance of the sons of Benjamin, according to their families and according to its borders all around. Now the cities of the tribe of the sons of Benjamin, according to their families, were Jericho and Beth Hoglah and Emek Kaziz and Beth Arabah and Zemariam and Bethel and Avim and Parah and Ophrah and Shephar Ammoni and Ophni and Gebah, twelve cities with their villages, Gibeon and Ramah and Beerah and Mizpah and Chephirah and Mozah and Rechem and Erpeel and Taralah and Zalah, Haaleph, and the Jebusite, that is, Jerusalem, Gibeah, Kiriath, fourteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the sons of Benjamin, according to their families. So as we saw in today's reading, some of the land has been apportioned to the respective tribes of Israel, but we have not finished conquering the land and there are still more territories to distribute. But let's begin with chapter 14, where we talk about Caleb. So we know Caleb being one of the two men that spied out the land 45 years ago in order to see if it was good or not, and only he and Joshua were the ones that gave a good report, if we remember. And apparently, according to what Caleb says here, he was 40 years old at that time. And then, of course, they had the 40 years of wandering in the desert. And then we had five years of conquering the land. So at this point, he says himself that he is 85. Now, unlike Joshua, which they don't really mention if he has vigor remaining in him, but it doesn't seem that he does, Caleb is 85, and he is still feisty. He still has much youthful energy in him. And he goes and he drives out these giants from the land that he asked for. And he went up there and he did it. So how wonderful is that? He knocked out those giants himself. So truly a great man who had a strong passion for the Lord and had a faithful zeal for him, which is something we should certainly have for our Lord as well. Then we see the portion of Judah be issued out. And then we see something interesting here. We see that Caleb is still getting his portion of the land near the uh, the middle of chapter 15. And there's a part where it talks about Arba, the father of Anak, which the Anakim are named after. And then it mentions three sons of Anak. And he was going to go up there to destroy them and capture the land. But then he says this about um, someone in his group. Whoever attacks this place, kiriath Sefer, and captures it, I will give my daughter Aksa as a wife. Now, it mentions somebody who stepped up to the plate in order to do this. And his name is Othniel. This is not the last time we're going to see the name Othniel. When we get to the book of Judges, which is next, we will hear about him again. 
he will be one of the judges. So don't forget about this man, because we will see him again here soon. Then we see chapter 16, Ephraim's land is dealt out. Then we see chapter 17, the Manasseh is dealt out. And then at this point, in chapter 18, there is remaining land to be surveyed and to be given out. And so the first lot goes to the tribe of Benjamin, which is described in the rest of chapter 18. And then the rest of the land will be um, portioned out in the chapters to come. Now here's something I wanted to leave us with today. In chapter 17, beginning in verse 12. It talks about the son of the sons of Manasseh could not take possession of cities. And this is not they're not the only ones who had this trouble, but they were not able to kick out the Canaanites from their land. So what's interesting about this first of all is that they did not eliminate the Canaanites in their territory like they were supposed to. They did not obey the Lord. He said, utterly destroy them. But what did they do instead? They subjected them to forced labor once they finally were able to conquer them, and they put them under tribute. But then they complained about not having enough land. So Joshua suggested that you should clear out some trees and settle in the forested area, and that seemed to be what worked. But that's not the point I'm making here. The point I'm making is, on a spiritual level, how can we apply this situation to us? And here's where I'm going with this. The, the people of Manasseh did not conquer the Canaanites, like they were told. And they are an illustration to us as being a metaphor for sin and for weights that are in our lives. Now, it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we should cast aside all weights and the sin that so easily ensnares us, right? So that we can run the race with endurance that is before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There's three things that we should get out of this. Is These Canaanites are a spiritual example of sin that we have allowed to persist in our lives. There's three kinds of sins that this can be compared to. One is this is persistent sin that just we just will not give up. We all have or have had them. Sin in our lives that we just we will not address. Sin that we are okay with keeping in our lives, or we have letting trouble letting go. For me, that was video games. And it still sometimes is hard to give up. I won't lie. But in this case, they did not remove it from their lives, and it haunted them. It was a burden on them for generations to come. Secondly is, we are not supposed to compromise with sin. It says that they lived with them, alongside them. They persisted in living in that land with them. And we should not compromise with sin. But instead, God calls us to master sin. In the New Testament, that's called killing sin, literally killing the sin in our lives. 
But then, but the Old Testament example of what we've read so far, think about Cain before he killed Abel. When he went and offered his produce to the altar of God, God saw that his countenance was fallen. He was angry. He was dissatisfied. And something was wrong. And so he told him, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, won't your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not do well, sin is waiting at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And that is that language that we're talking about here, the mastery of sin. I made the foolish mistake once, a couple years ago, in listening to the wrong voice in my life. I remember being completely regenerated for a couple of years, completely kicking video games and all that garbage out of my life. But then I heard a word in my spirit that said this verse to me, that I should master the sin in my life. And how do you master sin? By trying to work alongside it, or so I thought. I end up listening to the wrong voice. I assumed that that voice was God's but it was not. It was actually the voice of Satan or his demons. Why do I say that? Because one, it says in the Bible and other places that you're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Do not compromise with sin. And this is another example of compromising with sin. You cannot master sin on your own. God is the one that masters sin, not us. We have no capacity to do it. And I fooled myself into thinking I could. It devastated my life for a while. I was off track yet again until I purged it from my life. That's why we just also said from the book of Hebrews, it says that you're supposed to cast aside. It means to throw it away. Throw away the things that drag you down. And video games drags me down. So there's no compromising with it. There's no negotiating with it. You cannot coexist with it. It's like oil and water. Those things do not mix. It's like light and darkness. Light and darkness do not mix. They are completely opposite of each other. And so if we try to land somewhere in the middle, is what the book of Revelation calls being lukewarm and God does not like that. He will just vomit us out of his mouth, as he says. We will make him sick by compromising with sin. So don't do it. And the third thing is, you want something, but you're not really owning what you have. For one, we have to be grateful for what we have. And I think, especially as Americans, we are a very spoiled, self-entitled, ungrateful people. I really do. We take so many freedoms for granted. We take so many privileges that we have for granted. I remember a few years back, I went on a business trip to Costa Rica, and the people there were very happy people. They were just genuinely very friendly, happy, overall seemingly content people. But they didn't have very much. 
they lived in very small homes. They did not have a lot of money. Having a car was a luxury, and I had two. I lived in an apartment at a time, but I still had two cars. I was rich compared to them. It really taught me a lesson that we as Americans are so spoiled, and we don't give God enough credit for what he has given us. How we are able to just get whatever we need at a grocery store. How we're able to get homes that are way too big for what we really should have. We're able to get vehicles with little effort. You know, and, and the list goes on. So we are we should not be greedy, and we should not be wanting things that we don't have. That's envy and covetousness. But we should own and be satisfied what we have. Because it's not from you that you get these things. The Lord gives these things, and he gives them freely. And we should be grateful for what we have. And if we demonstrate that we are grateful for what we have, and we freely give of our resources for those who are in need, for the, those that are poor, for the work of God's kingdom, God has a way of blessing that. And he is the God of multiplication. And it's not surprising that every time in my life that I have dedicated my resources to the Lord's calling, he has blessed me. I've never been lacking. I've always had more than I need. And he is able to multiply my finances in order to further serve him. So I challenge you, make sure you're tithing, first of all. Make sure you tithe your 10% of your income. That's the very least we can do for the kingdom of God. But other than that, if you see somebody who needs something material, don't just pray for them. See if you can meet their need. And the book of James talks about that. As if you were to say, well, you see someone in need and say, well, be at peace and be filled. You know, that sounds great, but you have the means of helping someone. Now, that doesn't mean that you should feel guilty every time you pass a homeless person on the street, that you're supposed to give them a bunch of stuff. you got to use discernment on those things. You need to give them what they actually need. Is it food? Is it clothing? Not just giving them a money handout, because we know that a lot of those people use it for the wrong reasons, whether for drugs or whatever. We just have to be careful with that and give them what they need. So don't be like the people of Manasseh that carried around this sin that they persisted with. They refused to give into God's strength and his will to destroy them. They were not able to conquer them because they tried to do it by themselves. They tried to persist with the sin by their own power, much like I did try to master sin in my own strength, and I failed, and they failed. If they had gone in God's will, they would have won. But they compromised with sin, and they were ungrateful for what they had. So I hope we can learn a lesson from them. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. My name is Ryan, and have a great day. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourselves, and God bless.